400 people at the same time. And then, can I, can I give you something else? Can I add you another level? Now look at this. Let's add another level, right? That when he resurrected, they could see him and know that this is Jesus. But at times they could see him and think he's a ghost. And they could walk to Emmaus with him at times without recognizing it is him. Meaning the shape, the, the faces can change, my Lord. Ah, no. Oh, yes. Let us now talk the truth. Let us talk trivializing God. There, are you, do, do you realize that sometimes after resurrection, they are not able to identify him? You noticed, right? Sometimes after he resurrected, they was, is that him? They were not able to identify him. He changes. That body has capacity to change also. And sometimes go back to the original body that was sown. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. God is promising too much glory. So he's saying, if the Lord Jesus is operating, for example, in 1,000 dimensions, even you, you must operate, you will operate in 1,000 dimensions. For you, for you will operate in 1,000 dimensions for you to be able to see him as he is. As he is. Did you understand that? Oh, yes. Let's open up the Bible here. We don't have time in the conferences in Brazil and everywhere, Taiwan, Taipei, to say these things. But now this is discipleship. We can open up a little, right? So that means you have to operate in each of those dimensions so you can see him exactly at ease. When you go this way, you'll see him, you'll see him in this way also. In this dimension, you see as he is. That is the glory he's promising. Does that, in other words, the Lord is making a public invitation to the church to participate in the divine glory of God. Thank you for clapping on that. He is making the unthinkable public invitation. Invitation publico. In, in Portuguese, I understand invito. There's another word for invitation. Yes. In, yeah. Yes. He's making a public invitation to sons and daughters of sin. Sons and daughters of the fall, Adam. People who are in homosexuality, a generation of homosexuals that celebrated publicly. What even Sodom and Gomorrah did not do. Did not come out and par celebrate gay parade, making young boys with lipsticks, put cutex and skirts, trying to teach young children the way they do it in Brazil, what we're handling on their side. Sodom did not do that. And Gomorrah. But he's taking that generation and he's making a public invitation to them to participate in the divine protocol of God. In the divine order of God. Does that make you God? No. You simply share. Share in the glory of God. The glory remains his. Can, can we begin walking from there? But now you're beginning to understand what we're dealing with here. It's unthinkable. Unfathomable. What God is promising here. And so there is no way you can dismiss it or refuse it. Right? You'd rather have to line yourself up with prophecy. We saw that yesterday. 
that if you have believed that prophecy, you must align your life with the prophecy. Oh boy, the aligning of your life with prophecy is not a joke. Some people call it a tall order. Why? Because the king of Egypt had to restructure the entire country. And that's why today there is a country there still called Egypt. And another one called Israel that he saved by realigning the country with the prophecy of the Lord. In other words, there must be vivid change. Clothes are being thrown away. and In fact, being cut. You don't want anyone to pick and use. Being cut into small and thrown into garbage. And friends are being deleted. New phones are being bought. New. It is a situation. People are moving from neighborhoods and so forth. People are quitting certain jobs. Aye. Please. Por favor. In a generation of providence. Where if you get a job, you celebrate it. And he's saying that there are certain jobs you may have to quit. If your job causes you to sin every day, he says, take that hand and put it where? Cut it with electric saw. Ay, ay, ay. What type of message is this? What type? Katie for the message instead. He's saying that he's promising you glory. That is promising you to be, I, Jesus, to be in the same order. If he has so many dimensions, if he can move. Okay, can I give you my example? Hallelujah. Sometimes I sit here and at the same time I am in the Oval Office in the USA. Yeah. And I'm listening to the conversation and then I go. We were, we were in uh, Brazil when I told you, can you call my son in Kericho, right? From Brazil. Because I go and stand and participate and come out. Hallelujah. I go to the space, to the deepest no man can reach and take one neutron star and you push it. And before it hits, I go and take another one also push this direction. Aye! What type of dimensions are those? That is what he's promising. He's making a public invitation that you participate in the divine protocol, divine order of God. In other words, he's come and share in my glory. You cannot refuse that. You cannot. Because the kingdom we are going to is a glorious kingdom. This glorification is very key. So can we start step by step, passo by passo, the journey, right? Before that, verse 3, verse 3 para contexto también. Verse 3, muy muy importante, instruction. Instruction is in verse 3. In verse 3 it says, all those who have this prophecy, all those who have this hope, all those who have this promise in him, they purify themselves because he is pure. My Lord. That is now the most important part. That is now the instruction. He's saying that the message of the rapture should purify the church globally. The message of the rapture should purify the church globally. 
should purify Christians. When you just listen, you just begin to purify. You repent and you begin to walk in righteousness and consecrate yourself and set, be set apart for the kingdom of God, for the purposes of God. That the message of the rapture is meant to purify the church. Those that have this promise, those that have believed this prophecy, they should begin a journey of purifying themselves. And that, by the way, will be the evidence, my son Mark Ekdor, that will now be the evidence that they have believed the prophecy. When now they embark on a journey, purify themselves, purify their families, purify the church. Hallelujah. So that is the instruction. Purification. Repentance. Righteousness. Holiness. Fear of God. Reverentia. Wisdom. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There is a similar scripture like that I can jump on before I start this journey with glorification. If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, he's also saying a similar thing before we enter into glorification. I mean, rather, we're already in it, but, but before we get too deep, right, to open it up. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, capital 7, verse 1, versículo 1. Turn will be there, right? Second Corinthians 7, 1, it says, Therefore, since we have these promises, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, the church, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and contaminates the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence and fear of God, my Lord. Have you seen the instruction? That is the instruction. That's why we are here. That's why we are telling the church there is need for correction. He's saying that everybody that has this promise of glorification, later on, this promise of glorification, you are going to hear me read from Hebrews chapter 11, 35, when the saints of the Old Testament, who just heard about it, that the Messiah would come die on the cross, resurrect, and promise it, they did not see his coming. When they heard about it, they called it the better resurrection. The better resurrection. Did somebody hear what I said? They called it the better resurrection. And they said, because of that promise, what did we see yesterday? They were willing to lay down their lives for it. Are we together? Because of that promise, they said, you rather kill me, but I will not renounce what? Jesus. Yes, we saw that yesterday. What, what was it that they were dying for? We saw some of them were roasted on fire. Some were cut into two by a saw. Some of them were stabbed with knives. Some of them were battered with a metal on the head. Pa! 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 Until they die. Why did they die that way? Because of this promise of glorification. Yesterday I handled it under, under resurrection. Because you will see that this, this glorification happens when resurrection takes place. Can we move step by step? This is serious. Let us go step by step. Can I give you just some little nuggets here? Yes, just about glorification before we get into it. The scriptures that celebrate it. So number one, we see the following. 
that it is called the better resurrection. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. Those who are here yesterday and the other day, you, are, you have used this. It's very powerful. We see that it's called the better resurrection, right? So glorification is the final removal of sin from the Christian believer. Thank you for writing because you are people waiting for you in your country and you don't want your, your memory to let you down, right? So glorification, glorification is the final removal of sin from the Christian. From the lives of the believers. From the, you know, saints, whatever way you want to put it, right? So, glorification is the highest honor, honor that God has given to the Christians, the followers of Christ. The highest honor, honor, honor that God has given to the Christians, the followers of Christ. Meaning he has honored them. That is serious. Why do you say he has honored them? Isaiah 42, versículo 8. Isaiah 42, verse 8. Poke or not? Isaiah 42, verse 8. He says the following. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not share my glory with another. I will not yield my glory with another or my praise with idols. God, God in the beginning right away says that he is not willing to share his glory with another. And then when Jesus comes and the rapture is near, the entry of the kingdom of God is concerned, then now there is a promise. John chapter 17 verse 22, read with me there. John 17, 1, this is yet a Versículo 22. John 17, 22. And Kenyans must understand why I'm speaking Spanish. Because we are dealing with another, is it 2 billion Spanish speaking tuned in here live? So please, it's not just Kenya alone to enter heaven, right? Oh yes, that's why now we're operating from there. That's why we're setting up headquarters also where? In Sao Paulo, right? So we can give them the equal chance to enter. Really, heaven was for all, right? Yeah, it would be, it would be my... Like Brazilians say, no, that's malicious. That's selfish of them to think they want to enter alone. That is malice to Jesus. Oh, yes. It's for everybody, right? Yeah. And that's why senior most, the president of an international Pentecostal Bible College from a developed Europe called Italy is sitting here. That's why he's sitting here. My Lord. Can we clap to the Lord? Yes. No. Entry... Entry to the kingdom of God is not a joke. Entrada en el cielo no es fugando, no es juegos. No, no es brigando, bringa in, in Portuguese. So, John chapter 17, 22, he says the following. He says, John 17, 22, I have given them, it's in red, Jesus is talking to the Father, in Roha, in Verde. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. When it is time for you to enter, now Jesus, owing to the work he did at Calvary, he yields his glory to those who are his. That is powerful. Let me just do this again. The Lord is the king. 
And he promised the Messiah that he would dethrone Satan and enthrone Jesus to be the ruler of the world. If you look at the book of Revelation chapter 1, you see John the Apostle, he looks at Jesus in his glory of the second coming as the ruler of the world, as the judge of the universe. He sees him in that glory. And Jesus, when the Lord promised him that, he also promised to share it with his people. To share that reign, that rule with you people. Thrones. The same way. When he said he cannot share his glory. But when he gave Jesus glory, Jesus shared it with his own. The church. Do you now understand me? And he reported, said, Father, I have shared with them the glory you gave me, that they may be one with us as we are one. In other words, that you may also be able to enter into the presence of God. Let me explain this to you. Let me just explain this to you. Do you think it is easy to stand before the Lord God the Father in his glory? Isaiah wept and collapsed, right? Can we just handle that now? Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah says, why is he glorifying you? If he does not, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot even survive. Do you think it's very easy when I tell you that I stood before the Lord? I stood before the throne. The only way I do so is because I have a glorious body. An eternal body. Otherwise you cannot. And that was done by strategic design by the Lord to take instruction repeatedly, command on this mission. Because the Messiah must come. It is serious. Now, let's adjoin, which scripture was that? Uh, the book of Isaiah chapter 6, right? Isaiah says, for favor, that you may understand why glorification. Porque glorification. Yeah, la glorification is a better one. So, so he says the following. Isaiah chapter 6. I'll maybe read verse 5. And you know this is a very profound scripture, right? Isaiah chapter 6, right? You are aware. You, you have sat under this teaching, right? This is a very profound scripture. Because remember the king Uzziah dies, right? After the death of the king. And the king had a lot of cattle, a lot of farms. And most of the Israelites were making a living by working for him in the farms. So when he died, people were like, hui, hui, what will be of us? They cried. What will happen to them? And then he brings Isaiah now to the vision. He brings him into heaven. Isaiah sees that mm -mm, the true king of Israel is still enthroned. There is no panic. In fact, sometimes God can remove the other one that they may focus on the true king. That is a very serious scripture. I don't have time to go into that. When Isaiah finally now goes up and receives the instruction. Okay, now, in that Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, I think is the right one. He says, Woe unto me, I cried. I am finished. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I am a man, I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty himself. Isaiah collapsed and cried. You cannot survive in the presence of God in this body you have. Now do you understand why glorification must take place? 
Oh yes. Must take place glorification. Otherwise you cannot survive. John. Do you remember that John was the most beloved disciple? Apostle? Do you remember that at the last supper, John was sitting down and he leaned his back on the legs of Jesus? At one point he came and sat up and he leaned his head on the shoulder of Jesus. And he was very close to the Lord. The Lord, anyone loved him very much. Among them all is the one that was not assassinated. He's the one that actually was put aside to receive revelation, right? After Jesus had ascended and sat by the Father for 65 years. 65 years Jesus was sitting on the right hand. That's when the Lord took the scroll and gave him the revelation which he gave to John. You know this, those who have sat under this teaching. So, John knew him so well. But when John meets him now, look at this now. The way now heaven presents Jesus, my Lord. The way heaven now presents Jesus. Because here he's walking your dusty roads, right? Do you remember the vision I shared with the glory, when he left glory, glory, glory in the sky? Meaning he brought his glorious feet on our dusty roads. So when he walks here, probably you can easily try to trivialize. I'm not, that's human, the way human presents, right? I'm talking about the way heaven now presents the Christ. Let us read it. The book of Revelation chapter 1. I think it's going to be verse 13 onwards there, right? Revelation chapter 1 from verse 13. He says, verse 12. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw the golden, seven golden lampstands. Among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Do you, do, you, do you realize like? He's not able to pick him for exact. He said like, right? So remember we talked about that, the capability to change. But let's see. I saw someone, but what a beautiful way to present the church as the golden lampstands that are giving light. Is the church giving light today? Probably not. Thank you so much, for, for my son Ogutu, for saying not at all. The church today is where pastors make women, girls, pregnant. The church is a meeting darkness in the inner chambers of the house. Inner chambers is dark. The church today, they can lie with a false prophetic word to grab some woman, a widow maybe. The husband died. She has come for counseling. She has told them that she has money in this bank. And then this amount, they will call a false prophet and give those details. He will come and say, uh, there's someone here what to grab money from the widow. That is absolute obscurity. Total darkness coming out from the inner chambers of the church. And yet the Lord is presenting here the church in the perfect model as the lampstand with light can lose the light of the world, the light of Christ, light of salvation, light of righteousness, right? So he's saying the following. He's saying here, verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Golden is the word powerful, right? And among the lampstands was one standing like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was as white as wool and as white as snow. Have you noticed 
that the way Jesus looks, when you now go to the same scripture, verse 5, how the Father, the ancient of days, is being described exactamente, exactitude, exact. Have you not noticed that? Oh, yes. Those who are here from the beginning, I gave you the vision of inside the throne room, right? When I went and I saw Christ sitting at the center of the throne and he was being worshipped. The same worship they give to the Father. Who died for us? Who is it that died for us? Will we ever understand the cost of salvation? Never ever. It's imperceptible in this life. Our minds are so parochial, so narrow that we cannot understand the depth of salvation. No wonder we can play with it, reject it, throw it, abuse it, blackmail it, and whatever. Right? Because the sons and daughters of the fall are not able to understand and perceive the things of glory and eternity. That's why when heaven, repack, when heaven packaged the darling of heaven, the best gift and prize, the Messiah, as a gift and wrapped it in a nice box and sent to fallen men, they rejected the biggest treasure. Because sons and daughters of the fall don't have the capacity to perceive the things of eternity. That's why the Lord has brought us, instead of announcing at the marketplace and walking away, announcing, we are literally teaching it. Have you noticed? Why? Because of what's at stake. If you don't teach them, they'll just move on and enter hell. They will think it's just another preacher and let me just go and get money, offering. We would have done offerings here. They would have seen which countries are here. Oh, I need offering. They would have been harvesting money, meaning they didn't understand. The sons and daughters of Adam, of the fall, do not have capacity to perceive the things of eternity. That's why God Almighty, in order to relay the esoteric, the deep message of eternity, he has to reduce himself, condescend himself, condescend us very low and use the carnal events of the world like wedding and marriage to bring it close to them that they may understand. Oh, my Lord. God has to take condescendence for you to understand the truths, esoteric deep truths, profundidad, the profundity, profundity of the truths of eternity that you may like it. The way you like going to weddings and eating and celebrating there and dancing, he said it is like that forever and better. Did you understand now? God has to condescend himself. God has to reduce himself for you to enter eternity. That is serious. You want to go, my son, just go. Everybody who wants to go, go and come. Just, I, 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 I have not begun. <laughs> oh, this is serious. This is the last day. Last day. Tomorrow is your flight. Oh. This is serious here. Christian. How is Germany? This is yet another miracle. Right? You know the condition, right? He had, it's called the hatchback. He had a, 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 a hill on the back. A small mountain on the back. And in one healing service, I think in Toronto, Italy, was, oh no, Italy was the, the other daughter also with a heel. In a, one of the hill, where? In Central Park, 
at one decree, I, I didn't even go there. I was upstairs. Yeah, I didn't even step down. At one decree, mowed it down until today. It is a powerful thing for the Lord to heal a European. It's a powerful thing for the Lord to heal the white European, white. Because if he heals a black European, they might say, that's an African thing. No, a white European. Hallelujah. Very serious. And for you, the brain tumor. The brain tumor. Can you sit down so you can see her? She's standing. For her, the brain tumor. In Germany, you can go and catch a fly and extract blood from a fly for transfusion. Extract it and use it for transfusion. It's a difficult thing, right? You can do that. But to get a German doctor to verify and ratify for you and step up and say, this is a miracle of Jesus is harder. Because they were to open the brain. The tumor was in the brain. And they have the best machines for imaging. And the tumor was there, so you have to remove it. One decree. What happened? The tumor disappeared. And the doctor, and the doctor was looking at two images. A German doctor, my lord. And he was saying, this is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a miracle of Jesus. <laughs> a German doctor. It's more difficult to extract blood from an ant for transfusion than for a German doctor to say this is a miracle of Jesus. And finally we got them to say it. Hallelujah! Christo vive! Gloria a Dios! Oh yes! This is serious. So, you have all the evidence. Enoch followed God without seeing a German tumor certified by a German doctor dissolved. Not at all. But he walked with God faithfully until he entered. He did not see this. Enoch did not. He said what? Yes. 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 Hey, that's very serious. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> no. This is the president of an international Pentecostal Bible college. And he has many churches. They celebrated 50th anniversary, I think, last year. 50th anniversary. Many churches in Italy. When we ask them to come and give, because you know Kenya has a requirement, I think, soon, to come and give diplomas here to you people, it was difficult, it was impossible, because the, the, the education system is rigged, it's too tight. They, they were not able. They say you must go to Italy and learn the language for two years and then enroll and do it. They, they are very tight. He's the president of that university. And the retired air marshal, but the president of that university, Pentecostal, before you came in. So now, he has said, he took the clip 
of the sun clapping to the two mega prophets of God to Italy and someone who's what? A major eye operation and when he watched it, his eye healed. <laughs> In Europe. <laughs> In Europa. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, Enoch walked faithfully with God without seeing that. Enoch. He didn't read any Bible. I, he just looked at the stars and he saw the greatness of God and he feared him. <laughs> I tell you, the stars are preaching, the sun is preaching, the creepers are preaching. Hallelujah. And these days they are not just preaching, but they are healing. The sun is healing. Just the clapping of the sun responded to his servants. Heal somebody. The doings of God, the wonders, maravillosos. Maravillas, they call it. So can we sit down? Because people are going out for breaks, short break. This is very important for me. Because he's saying, the same John was familiar and used to Jesus. He now says, someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and the golden sash around his waist. He had the hair on his head as white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like, was like the sound of rushing waters. In his hand he had seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in the maximum brilliance of the sun. I, to be like him. And then he says, when I saw him, I fell down like dead meat. I fell down like dead. John, who was very close, he collapsed. John, who knew him very well. Are you starting to catch a little bit of estimation? Comparative? Number one, the importance of glorification. You cannot survive before the Lord without glorification. So can we just wait for a few... They're going to come so I can say these things when they're here. Uh, let me just run through them, right? Just the introduction before we start. I had said that uh, glorification is called the better resurrection. It is called the better resurrection. Glorification is called the better resurrection. I said glorification is the final removal of sin from the lives of the believers. Wow, how powerful. The final removal of sin from the lives of the believers. Glorification is the highest honor, I said, that God has consigned, assigned to the followers of Christ, to the church of Christ, to his people. And I said, glorification is the highest state of purity. The highest state of purity. Hallelujah. Glorification is the highest state of purity. Just a little bit here and there so you go at least with some meat to be able to feed them, right? He says that the final stage, glorification is the final stage in the redemption program of God. Glorification is the final stage in the redemption program of God. So you have justification, which is a legal requirement to be made right with God. 
The next one is sanctification, which is to be set apart, made holy. And it's a continuous process. Sanctifying yourself. Being set apart. Set apart. Separated for the Lord. Sanctification. After that, glorification. Can we read the book of Romans chapter 8, 28, 29, 29:30? Romans 8, 29, 30, blessed people. Is somebody learning a thing or two on this final day? Probably tomorrow there's no other session. Ooh. Because Brazil is now saying, how come you didn't say those things here? For one and a half months you are here. But we will, right? It doesn't matter anymore, right? Does it? They can even get it from here, right? You can be sure all languages are translating. So everybody's at the Lord's table, right? Yes, that's why we have it live on radio and this so that whichever way you will catch it and enter. We want you to enter. Because when we just think of how hot the, the, the furnace, the hell fire is, we will toil day and night. If one person can avoid it, we will celebrate it eternally. If one million, if one billion, you can imagine, right? Hallelujah. So he's saying things here. He's saying, Romans chapter 8, 29, 30. He says, for those God for a new, what is the meaning of for a new? For a new means before the creation of time. Before creation. You see, now, that, that is a complex. That's complicado. Because there, are you talking about the, the theory of predestination? Theoria de predestination. You don't use, you understand, as in God has determined those going to heaven, He has determined those not going, don't make an effort. Not at all. Not at all. So that's quite tight. He said, Those God foreknew. He knew before He created. You don't want to go too deep in this, you can. <laughs> I don't want to say what. You can go crazy, you can say, Just a moment. Why are we struggling, right? <laughs> no. He knew them earlier. For those God foreknew, he predetermined their destination, predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. Did you just hear that? To be conformed to the image of Christ, to be like Christ. And that is now where glorification comes in handy. To be like him. That is unbelievable. And then he says, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, that you may be in that family. You may be glorified and also be in that family. Are we together? And he's saying, and that, that he may be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Verse 30. And those he predetermined, those he predestined, he also called. Look at the order. Look at the sequence. He starts with calling. Those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Are we together now? So it's the final stage in the redemption plan of God, the final removal of sin. Meaning, you can go through all these things you are doing today. How many brush their teeth this morning and they realize that they are not yet glorified? Probably all. So now, that also lets you know that it is something coming to look forward to. Right? 
So when you hear that, you should be able to work your life looking forward to You want to wait for it. You are looking for it, right? If you brush your teeth this morning, hallelujah, you must have seen <laughs> that you are not yet glorified. <laughs> hallelujah! This is very serious, just general introduction before you go to the whole thing, right? To the message. And he says, in his redemption program, so he has justification, which is being made legally right. It's a legal requirement. Jesus paid for it, so it's legally accomplished. He has paid for the requirement, you know? And then sanctification, which is a continuous process of being made holy. In other words, being set apart for the Lord, right? Are we together? And then separation, in other words. And then glorification, which is the final removal of sin. In other words, being made, be, being made like Christ, to look like Christ. Oh, that's a powerful God. That salvation is mighty. That's very serious now. To be made to look like Christ. I just want you to have full information so you can help your churches. The things I cannot do outside there in the conferences, I can do here, right? Because the conference, you quickly go there, announce the coming of the Messiah, do a healing service, they see the power, trust in the Lord, you move to the next city. Next city. But here we can open up scholarship, right? Open up understanding, right? Into the profundity. Cindy? Yes, that's important, blessed people. That's very, very important. And so, it's amazing. So he says the following. Can we look at uh, whether the Old Testament mentioned a bit of glorification before we come to the New Testament and the instruction? Hallelujah. So one of the scriptures in the Old Testament that mentioned glorification is the scripture we read, Isaiah 42 verse 8, where he said, he will not share his glory with nobody. Right? And another scripture of glorification in the Old Testament you and I, you know. It's Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27. Where God made us in his own image, desiring that we look like him. That is the intent. You can see intention for glorification. He wants you to be like him. Did he mean that you be like him on the earth and then you don't enter heaven? Not at all. So it can only end up with glorification. Glorification. That is God's intention. Another, another you know, right? From California, right? Atlanta, Georgia, yes. Thank you, in charge of that city. You, another intention of God for glorification is when after creating it, he brings his glory into you, his life into you. He wants you to have his life. You can see that God had intent, good intention. Find all the plans I have for you, right? Another one is in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, we saw, right? Verse 3. Can we read Daniel, Dose, Versículo 3? Daniel, chapter 12, verse 3, in the Old Testament, where God hints or talks about glorification. Is somebody learning a thing or two? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, Daniel, chapter 12. Daniel, chapter 12. Verse 2, he says the following. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. We really handle this scripture here exhaustively, right? Hallelujah. And then he says, those who are wise, who are those? Those in the fear of God. Those who are wise. Wisdom is the fear of God. Those who are wise 
will shine like the brightness of the heavens. That is glorification right there. Have you seen that? Are we still together? Yes, that is glorification. We shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead men into righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So, so then the big question comes. Does it mean it will be different levels of glorification? That you leave to the, the creator himself, the Lord. Because like in the lake of fire, we found out that the fires will be different levels, my God. Different people receive different levels of punishment, right? Some will receive many blows, some some one blow, right? It's quite amazing. So, that is another scripture. Daniel 12, verse 3, another scripture that talks about glorification. In the Old Testament still. In the Old Testament, the book of Psalm 73, verse 24. Are you together with me? Psalm 73, verse 12. Psalm 73, verse 12. Excuse me. Psalm 73, verse 12. It says the following. Verse 24. I beg your pardon. Psalm 73, 24. Thank you. Just be with me. 24. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll take me into glory. Another promise of glorification in the Old Testament. I'm simply teaching you to be thorough with the word of God and deep and extensive and never take anything for granted. In the Old Testament, the promise of glorification that afterward he will take me to his glory. Also, if you have time and read the book of Job chapter 19, Job 19, 25-27 that we read here, where he promises again to resurrect, to come out of the rotting body and see the Lord as he is. That is exactly 1 John 3, 2, whereby in all his dimensions. Right? That is another promise of glorification. Job 19, 25-27. Right? Are we walking together? Is Professor Ambula learning a thing or two? It's, it's a dreadful thing to teach a professor, right? The Lord bless you, my daughter. So he's saying that there is promise of glorification in the Old Testament. How about the promise he gave Abraham when he gave Abraham the great commission? So the, the Genesis 12, verse 3, when he told him, and through him will bless all the nations. Was it meant to bless them that they may remain on the earth? If you look at when he's describing the descendants, say like the stars, spheres, glorification, please. He's promising glorification. His children, his sons and daughters, his descendants are not the ones that go to the lake of fire. Not at all. They are the ones that will go up into glory. So he promised glorification. In Genesis 12, 3, and all the other scriptures, I think Genesis 15, when he's promising him the descendants like the stars, meaning shining like the stars. So are we now together? So can we look at the New Testament? These are introduction before the message, right? In the New Testament now, we saw John 17, 22, that Jesus reported the Father that the glory was given, he gave to the church. Are we together? And then, Revelation chapter 4. Turn with me there. Revelation chapter 4. 
Revelation chapter 4 says the following. Hallelujah. He says, Revelation chapter 4. He says, verse 1 and 2. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what will take place after this. After this is what? What's the meaning of after this? We, I taught this for those who are here before. After this is after the church age. Oh, yes. So you can preach a sermon on the things that must happen after this. After this is after the rapture, after the church age. Then you just move on from chapter 6. The tribulation. You move on to the trumpets. You move on to the second coming of the Messiah. You move on to when the enemy is bound. You move on all through up to the eternal state. After this. So, we saw in Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 that the beloved church that the Lord raptures, the church I saw the Lord take into glory on that January 15th 2017, that church, the model is the church in Philadelphia with only commendation, no condemnation. Only recommendation and praises, no condemnation, no rebuke. We saw that that church, God opened for that church a door that no man can shut. 